0: Wednesday Bible Study. We do this uh, most every Wednesday at noon Central Time live, and then we put it out uh, on our social media platforms and our podcast channel if you want to go catch it on your own time. But as of today, we bring the live option back, but not only the live option is back today on our YouTube channel, Um, this is the first time it's been available to anybody. You know, In the past, if you're an Extreme Club member or whatever, but now if you go to rickandbubba.com and go to our YouTube channel, or you have the YouTube app, you can watch this Bible study live every Wednesday that it's here. And now I, I'm, I'm often cautious about saying that to a men's Bible study because I hear some of you right now going, well, that'll be my plan going forward. Uh, and I, hello to all of our accountants that are usually in here that that, that are going to be locked up to after the 15th of April. But um, So if you're watching, uh, you can watch on the YouTube channel live now because some of you, when you can't be here, you might be on the road, you might be at a hotel, you might be traveling. Uh, you might be at your office and you still want to watch it. Uh, this option is available to you, and uh, this is the first time that it's been available to anyone, uh, no matter what. So, so we're glad to have this as now a new option for the Wednesday Bible Study. And for those of you that may be joining us for the first time today, after you heard about the live option, uh, we are in a book that we're actually going to finish, so you're, you're picking kind of an odd time to join us, but we're going to finish strong, hopefully the book finishing strong. Uh, and this, is, this will be nothing but a kind of review of the whole book and then to remind us of some challenges. Uh, now, what, what's going to happen is we're going to have a three-week, if I counted right, three Wednesdays before the next Man Church, and the next Man Church uh, at Shades Mountain Baptist Church will be April the 28th. That's at 6 p.m. There's no charge. There's no ticket needed. Anybody can come. Scott Dawson will be addressing us uh, at that time. Uh, and uh, and then we'll go into a new Bible study. After that, we'll probably have some new people join us. Some of those make it. Some of those fade away. Uh, but we, and we'll start on that Bible study starting out on the whatever the first Wednesday is after the 28th. We'll be in a book called "The Pursuit of Holiness" by Jerry Bridges. I want you, we did a Jerry Bridges book on uh, fruits of the spirit, but this will be the pursuit uh, of holiness by Jerry Bridges, and it's got a workbook if you want to get that too. And this workbook is very challenging, Jerry. Jerry makes you do a little homework, but it's, um, so, um, all right, enough with the Bible verses, Jerry. We got it. But anyway, there's, um, but he, he does support his point. So this, this is what we'll do. You can get this off Amazon or, or wherever, uh, by the time we start. So you may be asking, so what are we going to do, Rick, for the three weeks before man church? And I really prayed about that. I had some options we talked about. I talked to Sherry about it. And I've really come to the conclusion after this last weekend that God has kind of pointed me in a direction. We're going to do three standalone Bible studies. So, we're not going to get into like one book of the Bible. I thought about Philippians because it's not that long, uh, but I just never could get a piece about it. And it's not that Philippians might not be included, but we're going to do three standalone Bible studies for the next three Wednesdays. And, and I've got one next week. Raise your hand if, um, if you saw me teach at church this last Sunday. Okay. So, two of you are going to hear it again. Uh, but so, uh, so that, that, that was one thing I thought about. I, I'm telling you, I don't know about y'all. When I left that, when I when we talked about, I was done with that on Sunday. I said, "Man, I, we need to get that in front of more people." So, uh, it's it's a very well known historical event in the Bible. It's a biggie, uh, but boy, there were some points that came out of that. I thought Sunday that we need to share. So that'll be the one that we'll do next Wednesday. And I would put that down down on that do not miss if you can avoid that. And it's also be a great one to share. And with this new live option, it's also a very clear gospel presentation as well. So. Uh, let's uh, that, that kind of gets us update, updated with everything that's going on. Uh, so uh, somebody let Todd in, who's speaking in the window there, uh, and then we'll say a word of prayer and we'll get started. Lord, thank you for today. Uh, Lord, I, I want to specifically pray today for everyone who is, is part of this Bible study. And Lord, just so thankful and, and, and encouraged uh, by the people who have attended the better part of the last four years. Thankful for the new people who are joining us even for the first time today. And I pray, Lord, that even though we're reviewing a book today. There'll be enough in the review that everybody can take something away today. I know that today's setup didn't catch you by surprise. Also, Lord, we pray for those that are hurting. Uh, we we love um, our, our fellow brother Christ, Tony Evans, and, and Lord, praying for his wife, as uh, as he let us all know yesterday that unfortunately a rare gallbladder cancer has returned, and she's been cancer free for a number of years, but sadly the last scan showed that it had returned, and I know that he and his family. I've already had to bury a family member in, in recent history, and this is another battle that we know that you have prepared them for, and, and, and you'll see them through it. But, but we will pray alongside our, our brother in that family right now, Lord, so be with the Evans family in a special way. And, Lord, uh, be with each and every family that's represented here today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, w- we get ready to, uh, to wrap up the book, Finishing Strong. And really, it, it, it is no more than just kind of a review but there's still some things that we need to take away from from the final chapter so the good news if, if you have not been with us on this Bible study you're about to get the nutshell version of the Bible study today uh, and I don't know if you're if you're like me but um, we we have a lot of thing if you things if you've ever been involved in it doesn't matter if you're learning uh, if you're trying to do something master something physically if you're doing something kind of working out what do we talk about reps 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 a lot of reps uh, when, when I've coached, I've noticed I always tell people, you, you can't rep something too much. Just rep it, rep it, rep it before you can get it. Uh, and, of course, a lot of times if I tried to do a little better at 54 years old and I go into the place that I go to work out from time to time, I have often looked up and just uttered the phrase, lot of reps, lot of reps, lot of reps. But in, in our spiritual life, that's actually good. So one of the questions that, that, that Steve Ferrar asked us, he said, today, today this last chapter of the word vision is going to be used a lot. You've got to cast a vision uh surely all of us, especially as men, we know that we love to cast a vision. You know, what, 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 what's our plan? And how many of you, uh, I think, in, in here, if you're like me, how many of you would agree it's, it's awful difficult to accomplish anything if you don't set out to accomplish it? So, so number one, you have to know what we're doing, right? How many of you have ever tried to accomplish something and nobody ever established what we're trying to accomplish? So the first thing that we know we're trying to accomplish is what? That we want to be the kind of people that finish strong. And we're going to review again today. What does that mean to finish strong? So one of the questions, Steve said, where do you see yourself spiritually in, in, in 10 years? Let's say the Lord does not return, and you're allowed to live, and I'm allowed to live for 10 more years. What does that look like? And, and he said, in, in order to, to look at that, you have to say, this is what this is what I'd like to see, but then you have to get a plan on, is this what you're going to see? And then for those of us who have children, where do we see our children in 10 years? And boy, he goes into some things uh, dealing with that second question that are that are sobering. He said, "As fathers, those of you that that are, and I know, please once again, if you're not a father yet, don't turn me off. And of course, if you're a mother, don't turn me off because this applies to you as well. Are you, if you ever plan on being a father or a mother, parenting is parenting, and and certainly today we're talking about fathers because this is this is basically focused on men, but we can all benefit from it." whether you're a man or not, or whether you're married or not, or whether you have children or not. As fathers, our choices about our lives usually affect the destiny of our children. That's the truth. Uh, and, and I can I can look at that in my life and say that's absolutely true in some positive ways. And I can look at my own life and some stupid things that I did as a young man, and I can say it's also true negatively. You know, I can see the choices in my life have have affected my children positively, and I've also also seen that it has affected my children negatively, and 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 there's there's no way around it. Now, the beautiful thing about the second part of the choices we made in our life that have affected our children negatively is, you know, unless your child has gone on to eternity uh, 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 and you have gone on to eternity, if you're in that in the mode that doesn't apply to either one of those, you're still here and they're still here. There's time. There's time. It's never, we serve a God of second chances. We serve a God of second chances, but we've got to decide that we're going to do something about it. Well, first of all, you've got to see the problem. And, boy, David Blackhorn, in his book, Fatherless America, whew, um, here's what David Blackenhorn, not Blackhorn, Blackenhorn said about it in his book, Fatherless America. If you've never read this book, it is sobering, and it is a, a problem we face all over the world and certainly in our country, sadly now. The United States is becoming an increasingly fatherless society. A generation ago, an American child could reasonably expect to grow up with his or her father. Today, an American child can reasonably expect not to. It used to be that having your dad was what you expected, and it was, it was not the ordinary to not have your dad. But now, United, the United States of America, and, and if you're somebody who, who, you know, is with your child, just talk to your children and, and ask them how many people they know that they still have their father in their life every day. It, it's, it's not the norm anymore to say yes to that. It's the norm to say no. And the numbers continue to, to grow, sadly. So father, fatherlessness is now approaching a, a rough parody with fatherhood as a defining feature of an American childhood. And all that means, those are some fancy words. I'll put it to Calhoun County for you. That means it's just as normal not to have a father as it is to have one. And there was a time that wasn't the case. Did you know, and you, how many of you came to Church when Ed Lytton spoke to us? All right, most of you. Ed Lytton talked about that when we first started establishing the societies here in America when we came over from England, he said it, it was really we went through most of our American history that if something, and it rarely happened, but if it happened that a a marriage broke up, that they gave the children to the father, not to the mother, because they said the father was the best shot that kid had at having a life that all all the needs would be met and they'd be prepared for whatever life had ahead for them. They did not give the children to the mother. They gave them to the father. And then there was a swing... He said, when we got into the women's lib movement and, and, and when we started getting into the point where the, the, the industrial societies began to take men out of the home and off to the job. And, and so men at that, it, it changed the whole dynamic when men were around their children all the time. Then they got to where they weren't. And that's when you saw courts and everything swing that they started giving children to mothers versus dads. But anyway, back to this, this, this astonishing fact about father, fatherhood and the lack thereof, is reflected in many stats. But here's the two most important. Tonight, now keep in mind, this book was written in the 90s. So I I would say this number probably has increased, but it's not a good number here. Tonight, about 40% of American children will go to sleep in homes in which their fathers do not live. Before they reach the the age of 18, more than half of our nation's children are likely to spend at, at least a significant portion of their childhood living apart from their fathers, Never before in this country have there been so many children that have been voluntarily abandoned, and that's key, don't miss voluntarily, abandoned by their fathers. Never before have so many children grown up without knowing what it means to have a father. So never in the history of our country has the problem been as paramount as it is right now. So we're in unprecedented waters as far as an American society, and you can see it. I mean, we've said it a thousand times, the reason why men's ministry, uh, and, and this is not my opinion, it, it seems to be the Bible's opinion, that men's ministry is the most important ministry in the church. All stats say that. Now, the church has had to kind of be drug along on whether they actually practice that, but, but if you'll disciple the men of the church and turn the men into spiritual leaders in their home, you'll solve a lot of problems. And if you don't believe that, Fatherless America... Uh, Blake and Horn has, has written, so we're in unprecedented waters. Look at the status of our society based on this fact that fathers have left the home. It, there hasn't been a good result to that. So we know that that's, that that's a problem, so wouldn't it also make sense that if you, if you want to cast a vision to fix the problem, you got to fix men. So we should be concentrating on that first, and everything else secondary. Now I know that 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 can get some boos and hisses and, and, and all of that. And but but now I'm becoming more and more dangerous because I'm getting older, and I just don't care about that anymore. What people think about it, uh, you know, because uh, you know I've 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 seen and been through so much now. I'm not sure what anybody's really going to do to me. So what he says next, he says, if you look at this, what is the vision for your for your life? He says we can no longer afford to define that vision just in terms of building a successful career or a business. You know, and he had already told us before about the two guys that cast the vision Walt Disney and the guy who bought McDonald's. But he's saying this is much more important than the vision that they cast because we got to have a vision of of finishing strong. And he's here's, here's some more insight from that same book fatherlessness is the most harmful demographic trend of this generation. If this trend continues, fatherlessness is likely to change the shape of our society. Consider this prediction. Uh, after the year 2000, as people, uh, as people born after 1970 emerge as a large population of our working-age adult population, the United States will be a nation that will be divided into two groups, separate and equal. The two groups will work in the same economy, speak a common language, remember the same national history, but they will live fundamentally divergent lives. Why? One group will receive basic benefits—psychological, social, economic, educational, and moral—that are defined uh, that are denied to the other group. And why was it denied? The primary fault line dividing the two groups will not be race. It will not be religion. It will not be class. It will not be education or gender. It will be patrimony. One group will consist of those adults who grew up with a daily presence and provision of their fathers. The other group will consist of those who did who did not. So our American society is saying it's the most important negative or positive thing. You know, we got all these other things he mentioned, class, race, religion. He said all those things are becoming secondary, and what we're going to find is that our society is divided into two groups. I had my father and I didn't. And he said the ones who didn't will be at a huge disadvantage compared to the ones who did. It goes back to the thing you've heard me talk about all the time, and it's Chapter 4 of Sherry's book, is that no one can replace you. Nobody can replace you. If, you're, if, you're, if you have children, nobody can be you to them. They can't. And, and so this is the thing we're seeing. You know, it's almost like nobody's everybody's kind of afraid to talk about it, that, that when people want to say it has to be something more complicated than that. But if you want to know what's wrong with this society, it, it, a lot, of course, certainly it's turned into a secular, godless society. But a lot of that, any problem you want to define, hey, we're becoming secular. We're becoming godless. Uh, we don't work hard. We can't be depended on. Uh, we don't know truth. Uh, we, 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 we think we, we got kids that think that are given things they didn't earn and, and they're disrespectful and they, and they got the nose in the phones and all that. You really can trace all that back going that, you know why? There's no daddy do anything about it. I can do a story. I've done story after story after story on this show. And I can do a story and I can see something that happened. And I said, I promise you in this story, you won't read anything about this kid's father. His name will never come up. You know why? He's not there. And I can tell you that by what the story says. Over and over and over. Somebody did this, somebody did that. We interviewed the mom, we interviewed an aunt, we interviewed the grandmother. And I said, we won't get to an interview with the dad in here because he's not there. And, I mean, a lot of you have been around the world. Don't you see the same problem? You go around the world and in the societies you see that are functioning with some sort of of, um, semblance of what we would want in a society, the dads are there, the husbands are there. When you go to a place that everything's falling apart, it's complete chaos, what do you find? They all say it, the men are gone. Look, we were talking about John Thomas when Living Hope, South Africa. He said, look, we're not certainly not going to give up on any man who, who comes to us and says he wants help, but we're, we're, we're starting over. We're going to take the males when they're children, and we're going to start there because trying to go out and fix all these broken men after they reach a certain age is exhausting. And we certainly, if they want our help, we'll help them, but that's not going to be our strategy. Our strategy is we're going to focus and say one generation of fathers abandoned their children, abandoned their wives, went off and, and slept with various women. They caused an AIDS epidemic. And if we want to change all this, we got to start with little boys and little girls, and we're going to have to teach them and show them examples of what a household that God designed is supposed to look like and start over. Start over. Now, guys, that's not good because that means that some people have come to the conclusion that some of us just need to die for society to have a chance so we can start over with it and and try with some new men. Well, see, I don't want that to be the case. I I want us to, to cast a vision that we're going to be the generation of men that changes it. We're not going to say, well, we've all gotten too old. You have to try somebody else. We blew it. We let it get away from us. You know, you think about this, when I, when we, when we had the, um, talking to some of the missionaries that were in our homes and came around back in February, talking to every one of them about completely secular societies. Because we're really talking about a spiritual problem, here's what we're talking about. Talking to the pastors that were with us that say Montreal is completely secular. No church. First World France, completely secular. No church. You know, And you start talking to these pastors about what happened. And, of course, Herbie was in here last week before he went back to Israel, and he said the same thing because he knows that. You see the history uh, going through what's happened with, uh, with God's people so many times. He says what everybody doesn't understand is everything can change in one generation. You can lose it all in one generation. The, the, the society can completely turn in one generation. You know, you look through the Bible. What happened every time a generation would turn from God? Their fathers forgot to tell them who God was and what they did, what God did. And some of it was under the best of intentions. We want them to have it better than we had it. You ever hear that? Look, we got to get we got hold. Oh, let's focus a minute. We work so hard sometimes to give our children things we didn't have. We forget to give them the things we did have. Uh, you know, how about this? If you had grandparents that prayed over you every night. Don't leave that behind. Don't don't call that outdated. You know, if you had a daddy that got your butt up out of bed and made sure you got to church every Sunday, don't forget to give your kid that. Okay? Now you might not have been in much of a house and you might not have had many toys, but by golly, you had that. You know, anybody who anybody who was raised in a home of, of, of godly parents and, and maybe you didn't have a swimming pool, maybe you didn't have your own car, maybe you didn't have many toys at Christmas, do you really feel like you missed anything? No, because what you got was the most important thing. There's a lot of kids got everything anybody could ever want, but their, their parents would never give them Jesus, so those kids don't have anything, and they know it, and they know it. So what do we got to do? to be? We got to be men of vision. Uh, how about this? I love this. We are not going to change these problems, and we are not going to finish strong by luck. I can't believe the number of people who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. always always talking about luck. I mean, if you want to have some fun with it and goof off about it, that, that's fine. But I hope you all really don't believe in luck. I hope that's not it. Because, you know, what about this? I'll tell you the biggest problem with most men. It's one of the things we tried to address when we started this four years ago. Most men are just making up their life as they go. They're just making it up. And, and let me tell you, if, if you're just making up life as you go, you have, you have cast a vision for failure, not success. You can't make it up as you go. And, and, and a lot of times you, you're making it up as you go because you don't want to know, know what it looks like. I mean, like I say all the time, I, I get in these conference rooms and I, I, just, I, just get, I just get maddened by this when I say, before we even take step one on this meeting day, what is the problem? What are we trying to solve? Let's identify that first, and then we can work on solutions. Because I've noticed everywhere I go, and some of y'all have heard the story before, I've been kicked off many boards. I don't, people don't ask me anymore because if I, I don't meet just to talk about problems, I might do that once. But my second meeting better be about solving the problems. or y'all going to lose me? I mean, that's just the I, surely aren't we all that way? You know, but it seems like to me, and it's one thing, you know, but men have become this way where men just want to sit around and talk about problems. They don't want to talk about solutions. That's not a vision. That's making it up as you go. We know the problems. What are we going to do about it? Man, we need to do something about our men's ministry. Okay, let's do. What's our plan? And you can't be the person that just talks about what needs to be done. You've got to be a person that actually does what needs to be done. So what are you going to do? I'm going to be right here, and I'm going to do this, and I'll do whatever God calls us to do, and we'll get it done. What are we going to do about the people that won't participate? We won't worry about them. We keep offering it to them. We keep saying we're available. We're ready We're ready to go. We're here if you need us. And what we're not going to have is people standing there saying, I would I would have done it. I wanted to do it, but y'all wouldn't do it unless y'all got 100% of the people to get on board. Forget that. All I'm looking for is a remnant. God woke me up in the middle of the night when He called me to, to to do what we've been doing for the last four years. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to go speak at conferences. I wanted to stir everybody up, get everybody mad at the pastor, and leave. That's what I wanted to do. Okay? And 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 so I like that. I like that feeling of my truck driving away while people are really upset. But 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 God said that's not it. You you gotta get your hands dirty. You're gonna have to get in there and you're gonna have to grow spiritually and you're gonna have to disciple men. And I was and you know what the first thing I thought of? Defeat. Ah, That's gonna be frustrating. I've, I've look. I, I've, I mean, I, it's just, it's gonna be one frustration after another, and I don't, and I don't need that. And so I go to bed, and I, I and it was it was between three thirty, three forty, up to four o'clock in the morning. I woke up stone cold. Boom. <clears throat> now look, I'm not the kind of person that runs around saying that happens every day because it doesn't. God's got a lot going on. He does not speak to me directly a lot he got a lot of people to talk to, okay? Now, he's given me his word, and he said, I've covered most of it there, but every now and then, I'm going to come in and reaffirm something. So I, I'm, I don't, And I don't have to have signs and wonders. I'm not one of those guys, okay? Because I've seen how signs and wonders get people in trouble, and I don't want to be that kind of guy. God is who he is, and I believe he's who he is, and he don't have to do anything else. If he died for me on the cross, he never does another thing. That's fine with me. And I'll just follow the vision he's got in his word. But every now and then, I pray, like we talked about. He don't give a fast pass, and I'd like for him to give some direction. And this time he decided to give very clear direction. And I got up and I heard it just as clear in my spirit, I'm calling a remnant. I'm calling a remnant. And I was like, is there anything else? There was nothing. And what what, what the Lord was telling me is, just do what I say to do. It's never been a lot of people. It never will be a lot of people. But I don't need a lot of people to radically change the world. Because I'm God. So just deal with the ones that are willing. And the ones that aren't, you know, some may wonder in it one day, some may not. I, I haven't given up on them. Don't misunderstand me. I mean, I've actually had men tell me, talk about not casting a vision, you know why they don't come to man Church, and you know why they don't come to a Bible study? They don't, it, want, to they don't want to hear it. I know what y'all are going to say. i got better things to do on, on a Sunday night than get beat up on. Now, think about that. Is that a guy you want to follow? So what this guy's saying is, I look, I'll be sold out to the church as long as it's easy. It don't need to be difficult, and I don't need to be made uncomfortable. And God hit me with this a few minutes ago, and I said, you know what this guy is? And I used to be this guy. Too many people go into Bible studies with this, this is their. This is what they want. I want Scripture to affirm me, not convict me. I want to go to a Bible study that passes me on the back and tells me I'm great. I don't want to go to one that challenges me and tells me i got work to do. I want to be affirmed by Bible studies, not convicted by them. And you know what? There's a lot of that out there. You can go find it. That ain't what we do here. Because the only people that's ever helped me and the only time I've ever learned anything is when somebody shot me straight and said, you're wrong. And you got to change. If, some, if I didn't have those kind of men in my life, I would probably still, I probably would have already ruined Sherry's life and spread some more kids out everywhere. Until somebody finally said, you know the way you're living. is, You're wrong. I well, wasn't, wasn't very comfortable. I want to go somewhere By tells me how great I am. And you know what? Let me tell you about this world. I used to be this guy. If you want to feel better about yourself, you can go find people make you feel better about yourself. You'll find people worse than you. But one day, you're going to have to encounter Jesus. And I promise you, he calls you to a very high standard that only he can accomplish. So that's the next thing. We've got to have vision. We can't just make it up as we go. What's this? I love this. He says, when his example of a strategy To, to, in order to finish strong, he says, an example of having a vision. He said, like, if you know what you're going to do before you ever get in a situation, of course, you know, when he always talks about what is sexual immorality, because men struggle with that. And I don't know if you catch the headlines, you're going to get some of that coming along every so often. But you know why? Because Satan knows he can win with it. He says, so one thing you got to do, if you want to cast a vision, you can't be a man that thinks with a sex organ. You got to be a man that thinks with his mind. You've got to be someone who who says, I think with my mind, not with my flesh. You know you who know, the people usually, Rick included, you know when usually I would fail? When you do what? We'll see what happens. See, and, and that's the point. Do you really want to finish strong? Right? Have you ever been in a position of leadership or ever been a coach and you want to just kind of go to the players and say, Do y'all want to get better? Because if you don't want to, there's nothing I can do to change that. But if you want to get better, then I'm willing to do what it'll take for you to get better. But you got to do it, you know. And we'll get into this in the next Bible study with Jerry Bridges. It's that dance. There's this incredible dance that goes on with us and God, and holiness, and obedience, and, and, it, and it's, it's this dance of Jesus is completely righteous. So he 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 is he's completely righteous. He justifies our spirit. He provides the only thing that can sanctify us, but then there's this action required on our part to go to full holiness. And that is, I'm in. I'm going to take action not to put myself in certain situations. I'm going to take action to think and to reason and to know Scripture and to know what God has said about a situation. Before I get in, I go, well, let's just see what happens. And he says, this is it. This is about leaving a legacy for our children. Think about this. Now, I'm gonna to speak to this, and this is gonna be kind of uncomfortable, but it you know, sometimes men just need to be given a vision that's easy to follow. I'm at your funeral right now. You're dead. Somehow I outlived you, I don't know how, but I did. You're dead. Your children are standing in front of me, and I walk over to them and I've got this notebook, and maybe your wife or somebody's asked me to say something at your funeral, and I sit down with my pen. I'm sure those of you in here that are ministers and pastors, you've been there. Tell me about your daddy. What do we need to say about your daddy? What are they going to say? Now, if I ask them this question, and I will, is your daddy the godliest man you know? Now, I was being quiet on purpose because I myself sitting there going, hmm, Is that what they'd say? Tell me the godliest man you know. Is that your daddy? So if the answer right now for you is, Rick, I don't know what the answer would be, well, do something about it. You got time. You're really not dead. Okay? I don't care how old your children are. I mean, think about that. If you and I died, our children were most likely to talk to somebody about the last thing they remember about us. And it was so funny about that. uh, My son's. I've had and my my children and my daughter. We've had fun with stuff like this. I was talking, you know, how you try to have those big moments. Well, my kids have traveled to me back in the days when I was doing just conferences and stuff like that quite a bit. And I've talked about this topic before. And I said, I hope that your kids would say that my daddy loved Jesus. My daddy loved Jesus. The the way I, I and 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 my daddy loved either their mama or if something's happened with you, like with me and you. And, you know, there, there may be children that had another mama at some point, and your relationship hopefully is it may be good with them, may not. But maybe that they would at least say that my daddy loves his wife. I mean, I, I, I see that. I see that he loves. I, I see that he held marriage in the right place, and, and, he, and he, had, he loved Jesus, and he taught us about Jesus. So to light it up a little bit, let you off the hook for a minute. So I'm sitting there one time riding the car, and I've got the two middle ones with me. I said, boys, I want to ask you something right now. I'm dead. Somebody ask you, tell me about your daddy, what are you going to say? So the the one that's more like me, the PR guy says, I tell him that you're a man that loved Jesus and you loved your wife. You put that before everything. The youngs said, we were at the men's conference with you last week. <laughs> okay, so that didn't have as much reality to it as I hope. Uh, so, so, so anyway... You know, you took us with you. We, we were there. We heard this speech. But but anyway, so, but the question is, is that true? How about this? When we come to the end of our life, this is what finishing strong means. We're going to go through a list, so write these down. What does it mean to finish strong? We will come to the end of our life with a strong and close relationship with Christ. That's number one. We'll, we'll end our life with everybody saying, he and his Lord and Savior, they were one. He, he he finished it as sold out for Jesus as he could possibly be. That relationship with him and Christ was solid. I don't doubt it. There's not there's not inconsistencies. I don't have anything bad to say. If somebody says, "Did he love Jesus?" Yes, he did. I said that today. I was talking to, to Adler and I was talking to uh, to Helmsy, and I said, "I, w- I, I honestly in this ought to be I want I, said, I wish you could I want to be able to say that if you were allowed." to be with me 24 hours a day and seven days a week, and somebody came up to you and says, you've been with Rick, what do you think he cares about? That you would say, Jesus. And then the second point, he cares about his wife. He cares about his children. He's a man of integrity. He's a man who's honest, and he works hard at his job. I said, I I hope that, because I would tell you that's who I am, but the question is, if I walked around with you 24-7, would I come to that same conclusion that you seem to be saying? Because you know the truth we talk about here all the time. You know, we, I can say one thing to another. That's not that difficult. That's the reason why if you ever really want to know a man, talk to his children and talk to his wife. They know. They know. So that leads us to the second one, what? Unless your wife dies first, you will be married to the same woman you are today. Unless she dies first, when you end your life, you'll be married to the same woman you married to today. That, 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 that's that's another point of living a life that finishes strong. Number three, it means you fought some battles for the kingdom and you got scars to prove it. That, that's finishing strong. It, you know think about this. see this one we don't talk about as much. We talk a lot about our kids need to and that that's important. No, no doubt about that. We want to have a strong relationship with Christ. no doubt about it. We want to be devoted to our wives. We never forget the bride of our youth. She is the number one earthly priority on this earth. The children are not ahead of her. Only Jesus is ahead of her. And on earth, nobody's ahead of her. She, she trumps everybody. Then our children on earth. Jesus first overall. But then there's this one. If you want to finish strong, have you done anything for the kingdom? And I love that. Everybody knows you fought for the kingdom because you got the scars to prove it. We saw people come against you because of your stand. Hey, we saw some relationships that that were damaged because you wouldn't compromise. Hey, I saw you get fired because you wouldn't compromise. I've noticed that that you had friends that you don't have anymore. They don't want to be around you. They abandoned you because of your devotion to Christ. Hey, I saw you go into that third world country. I saw you plant that church, and man, I heard. I heard you had to be extradited out of the country by your own country because they came against you. You you, you fought some battles for the kingdom. You you weren't you not a grace abuser. You didn't just say, "Whoo! Thank goodness I got saved, and thank goodness I'm not going to hell, and nothing else really matters to me." If I, just I'm gonna do the bare minimum try not to cause trouble. You know, it really bothers me that there's so many places, and I'm going to look you, you guys and I that are in the room and those of you watching. I'll give you my word on this, and if I, if I go back on it, you can hold me accountable. If they walk in here tomorrow and tell me if I don't shut up about Jesus that I'm fired, I will be fired. 100%. If, 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 they, if they come and say, look, you can keep doing what you're going to do, but you've got to tone that down. If, if they said, we will not let you stay in this studio, if I see this Bible study in that studio again, I will find another studio. We will continue doing what we're doing. I promise you that. And I hope you've seen that no matter how close people are to me, if they say you can't have a relationship with me unless you compromise the faith, then I won't have a relationship with you. And so there's a lot of things that are going on in society because there's people God has placed in different vocations that will not stand up and draw a line and say, I will not do what I've been told to do because it compromises Christ. And if more people would do that, things would change. But as long as you're in a job, and somebody says, if you do what God's told you to do, we'll fire you, and you won't do it. Well, you've, you've kept your job, but what good is it? What good? Well, you know, they told me I couldn't pray with the team anymore, but you know, I didn't want to lose my job, and then they wouldn't have me at all. Yeah, well, yeah, you won some football games. Who cares? Who cares? That ain't going to mean anything when you stand before God. What God was wondering, if you were going to stand up and say, fire me as coach, if you're going to say, i got to compromise Jesus because I won't. Fire me as a teacher. Fire me as a principal. Fire me as a fireman. Fire me as a policeman. Fire me as, as, as a businessman. Kick me out of the business. Fire me as a, as a lawyer. If you expect me to lie, then I guess I'll just be fired. But see, we, we work these deals and justify things, don't we? But that's not somebody that's going to finish strong. That's somebody that's going to finish weak with no impact for the kingdom. I mean are we going are you are we just trying to to get into heaven by the barest of minimums are we wanting to walk into heaven look up to our lord and savior and hear well done good and faithful servant Who, will y'all join let's go for a well done that's not legalism that's 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 that's, that, that's not diminishing grace in any way you know it's showing the power of grace that, that grace was so powerful, it turned you into a completely different creation, like the Bible says, and it was so important to you, and it impacted you so much, that's all you ever really want to talk about. And if people told you that you need to shut up or leave, you left. Number four, you're, you're leaving your children and grandchildren the priceless heritage of a godly life. You're leaving your children and grandchildren the priceless heritage of a godly life. So many of you in this room, and I've talked to, and a lot of you watching right now, you can speak to this. You are the legacy of a godly grandfather or a godly father. You are that legacy. You can look me in the eye and say, oh, Rick, ain't nothing better than my granddaddy and my daddy left me than, than, than the godly life they lived. For me, it was a grandmother, but, but I understand the legacy of it. Sometimes sometimes I'll be writing and I'll think about that my grandmother knew that that I could be this this man in Christ even when I wasn't. And she prayed for me and she she would always say, You're a preacher, that's what you are. And I'd be like, Yeah, but that's not that's not a cool gig. You know, I want to be a DJ, I want to be a rock singer, I want to be a comedian. She said, but you're a preacher. And I'd be like, I'm I'm my grandmother. You know, here she is. And then I walk around this town and all these people keep coming up. Your grandmama led me to Jesus. Your grandmama pointed me to Jesus. And you know what? I can speak to that. That's a really cool gift to be given. Are we going to give it to our grandchildren, to our children? Will they, they look to you and look to me and say the same thing? Man, the heritage that he left for me, we benefited for generations if the Lord tarries. So now if you're in the room, vision for you if you're in your 20s and 30s. This is good, and I saw this firsthand. Here's what you want to do. You want to start thinking, I know it's hard if you're in your 20s or your 30s. I know it's hard. But you got to start looking ahead forty years. I know, I know, you Rick. I can't. I, I'm, you got to I, listen. It matters. I can tell you, and I'll tell you that this. There's no better example for me to give you than what happened in Mobile, Alabama. I was doing a, a men's conference there, and it was just one of those nights, man. You knew what was happening. God was moving, and there were there were other guys there, and. Rich Wingo, who by the way, we need to pray for him today, you see this bill as a state rep that he's moving forward. And, and if they get this thing move forward, it could lead to Roe v. Wade being overturned. Rich Wingo's leadership in the, in, in the state House right now, he's saying we're gonna, we're going to make it illegal for any doctor to perform an abortion in this state. and we're taking on what is at the essence of Roe v. Wade. And he's brilliantly trying it to the Dred Scott when at one time in this country, African-Americans were deemed not to be human. And you know what? As a society, we had to wake up and say, what in the Lord are we doing? And we, and we, and we changed that ridiculous evil intent. Well, Roe v. Wade says, whatever is attached to that uterine wall is not a person. And we realize that now with the sonograms and the science and everything we've got, that we were wrong that, that we, it, it's about personhood and do we have the right to kill anybody that we deem necessary and we don't. And I thought as a society we agreed on that. But you see what happens if you say, well, we just stay, we, we, we don't know, let's just stay in the, in the first six weeks. And then it's the first trimester. Well, then the second trimester, then the third trimester. And then we got to the point that I thought we all agreed that life began outside the womb. I thought everybody agreed on that. We killing those babies too. So, this is a man that is leading, but he was he was he was, and we need to pray about that because they're gonna they're gonna people are gonna go crazy. But Rich doesn't care. I mean, Rich is kind of guy that honestly I can assure you he he doesn't care. Okay, he's gonna do what God tells him to do, and he doesn't really care what people think about it. But let me tell you this: he was with me, and I remember this. So, they were older men, my age and older. 54 if you want a marker. And they were coming to the altar, and and this is good, but at the same time, it's a great time for younger men. The groaning and the wailing of these men was uncomfortable. I mean, it was so loud as people were coming forward. You know how you, you ever had something? You go, well, I know this is good, but it's really making me kind of uncomfortable. This is this is almost grotesque to, to hear. It's it, it's so much anguish. And rich, of course always keeping his head, takes these young guys that were in their 20s that came forward, and he pushed them over. And this is exactly what this is talking about to you young men. He said, listen to the sound of regret. Listen. What you hear are men filled with regret over the things that they need redemption for. Now, praise the Lord. If they're sincere, they're going to get it. But don't live that way they would turn around and tell you with tears coming down their face, don't do what we did. Amen. So you, in your 20s and 30s, you got to make that decision right now. You're not going to have that kind of regret. Now, for those of us that are older, what, what, what's our finishing strong strategy look like? Well, this is where we get sloppy spiritually. Yeah, I've done pretty good. Turned it around. Really no Bible story you can tell me? I don't know. Been there. Know that. Oh. John, oh yeah, I know that verse. Pastor gets up, he's ready to unpack the word, and you're like, nah, I've heard this one. I can get up here. I know I know it's forward and backwards. I, I had this happen one time, and I, I this is a perfect example. <clears throat> and I was being a smart elite. <clears throat> Uh I know that shocks y'all. But <laughs> if, if my wife says, you know what? Still got some work to do on that part of your, you. know, still We're still working on that one. And she goes, she goes, I would have hated to have been your teacher, your coach. And I said, yes, you would have. But anyway... So this guy is a classic example of knocking it out of gear. He's never attended this Bible study. There's always a reason he can't come. okay, and, and that's fine as long as he's in something, which I don't see any evidence of. And so I finally get tired of it, and I say something that's rude and, and smart of it. I said, well, you know, use of solids, solid. You don't need it. He looks at me and says, yeah, but we still need to hear it every now and then. And I thought, hey, man, I was being a jerk. You didn't didn't even get it. I mean, you you should be mad at me right now. And I was all ready for the argument. You know, I'm like, he just left. And I was like, it's worse than I thought. But anyway, so, yeah, we all need to hear it every now and then. So solid. So this is where we get lazy. And you know what? This, 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 this This is where... Uh, you've heard this said, and this is a little bit of coach speak, but it works to the spiritual life too. Okay, and you may have heard this, but let, let's just think of it strictly spiritually. Okay, I know y'all think sports are going to mean a lot in heaven, but 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 I want you to think about this spiritually. What is the biggest enemy of great? Good. Good is the enemy of great. Ah, I'm pretty good. Good enough. That ah, that ought to that ought to get it. My funeral will be pretty good done some good things. Let me tell you, if you're still breathing and you get the attitude that you're done, you will not finish strong. And you will not finish well. Because if God still has you alive, then you were not finished. You called finish before he did. And I'm going to tell you, there's still much more to learn. And you know what? There's some things that honestly... And I know some of you young guys are super impressive. There's some of you that are super impressive, but there is a certain degree of wisdom and age. I remember my dad said to me one time, and I didn't understand it. I, you ever got? You ever got that? Now y'all probably most of you in here probably, if you had dads, you were terrified of him like I am mine, and I still am. My dad's 77, and I, and I would I would not remotely go after him. Okay, and so. He said to me, when I got, you know, I always hit that stage, and I've seen it with my own sons, where there's a certain thought, you think, I think I could take him. I think his age has brought him down, and my youth and strength has brought me up. I think we're finally passing. I think we're there. And my dad said something to me that applies to this spiritual truth he's talking about, about us older guys. He said, here's what you don't understand. You ain't lived long enough to whip me. I've been hardened by life. I've gone through things you hadn't experienced, and I will beat you because you haven't lived long enough to take me. There's a certain old man's strength that's just from life. It ain't in a gym. It's not in some regiment or some diet. It's just life. And so there's certain things about God you can't consume until you're a certain age. I mean, there's some truths that he hadn't been able to teach you until you've lived long enough for him to say, now I'm going to show you something about me that you're ready for now. He's God. Do you think you can consume him in one big bite? So don't miss. I'm going to tell you, I've said it before, I love me at 54 so much more than I like me at 44, 34, and 24. 24 I really dislike. But but 54 is so much better. I'm talking about spiritually. Now, do people say things to me physically, like, what's wrong with you, and I don't know what they're talking about? Hey, man, did you get, did you get hurt? I, no, I think this is just the way I walk now. I don't think anything's wrong with me. And sure, that part, you know, but I, but I, but I like where I am spiritually, and I like where I am with wisdom so much more. Some people say, you going to color your beard now that it's getting gray in it? No, I earned this. You going to color this gray? I, I, it's finally here. You know what? People say, oh, you got good genetics. I said, no, I'm just stupid. The reason why God hadn't given me full gray hair yet is I'm just saying I'm not smart enough to have it yet. That comes. Kind of, that's wisdom right now. So that, an amen from from a. Uh, there it is. So. So the other thing he says is so we got to have vision. What remember we first started with? Without vision, you'll never be one, one out of ten. And those of you who don't know what we're talking about. The first thing says that studies show that the only one out of ten men really finish strong. So you know you're gonna. This is if you if you are if you have the book and you want to do it. He says here's the things you got to have a vision for, and that was one one out of ten. He said it also is going to uh, to take a wisdom to avoid and anticipate the ambushes. This is all a review now. It's going to take vision to stay in, to stay close, and to stay away and stay alert. Remember that. It's going to take vision to avoid dry shipwrecks. It's going to take vision to pray that God will alert you every day to the killing dangers of pride. Ooh, remember that subject. C.S. Lewis couldn't have said any better. If you've read my chapter on pride and think it doesn't apply to you, it absolutely applies to you. <laughs> Pride's dangerous. It's hard to see. It's sneaky. So he said. So vision will 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 take that. It takes vision to see the benefit of making yourself accountable and teachable. Remember, guys, you got to be accountable to somebody. You got to be teachable. It takes vision to be willing to go through the miserable, gut-wrenching, dry heaves of genuine repentance that will put you back on course. I just described a vision of that on the on, on the on those men of regret. True, they were. It felt like true repentance because they were vomiting regret and pain and anguish. If you have not repented of sin that way, be careful. True repentance is gut-wrenching. It's the vomiting out of the sin and get back on course. It takes vision to hang in there and finish your master's degree in character acquisition. That was Moses. We talked about that, especially when you don't have a clue when you're going to graduate. And then he says it takes vision to run the 156 miles to Bighorn. That was the John Coulter-Joseph uh, comparison, and not trade in your purity in the process. It takes vision not to finish poorly. It takes vision not to finish so-so. That's the, the, the good versus great. It takes vision to finish strong. And I love when he says, and your wife and your kids will celebrate it. In closing, I love this. Uh, this is a... Um, uh, comments from Dave Roper, uh, and he says, so. Um, so, and then some of you need to hear this before we leave. This is important because I, I know I've been a man. You know what you do when you hear something being taught? Ah, I'm not sure this applies to me. The things he's talking about, that's not really me. Dave Roper will solve that problem for us all. So you're not a major player, Roper says. You have no political clout or power base. You're not a Christian quarterback. You're not a converted rock star. You're not a multimedia personality or multimillionaire. And the reason why some of you think about this because I'm in men's ministry. You know what I have to do sometimes to draw crowds, don't you? I have to find the uh, political person who loves Jesus, the coach who loves Jesus. i got to find a converted Christian quarterback. i got to find a converted rock star. i got to find multimedia personalities and multimillionaires so people go, let's hear what happened to him. But here's what Roper says. You can be a catalyst for change. As a matter of fact, there's more people that are not these things than are. You can be used to arrest the spread of corruption in your community. You can be a source of light in the dark in your dark corner of society. You can be the means by which some part of our crazy world is brought into sync. We're all designed to be of uncalculable use to God. Let me say that again. We are all designed to be not just sort of used by God, to be incredibly used by God. He planned our usefulness before time began. We are God's workmanship. Remember Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship, Paul says, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So you think God just says this about certain people? The Scriptures don't say that. We, if you're under the authority of Christ, you are God's workmanship. If you are breathing and you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, good works that he had already prepared in advance that he expects you to do and equips you to do. He never calls you something he didn't equip you to do. Perhaps it'll be a visible role. More likely, it'll be concealed and hidden. You all okay with that? Do you have to be a big deal? Do people have to know what you did? I will assure you that some of the most powerful people of the faith we know nothing about. Now, we see their fruit. We just don't know where it came from. It could be that your entire life will find its meaning in one person who God wants you to touch in some significant way, and one, one event in which he yearns to make himself known. It might be one person. It might be one person that nobody could reach but you that turns out to be a big deal, turns out to be a person of great impact. I do not know what God will do with you and me, but I know this. When we stand before our Lord one day, our lives will not be without meaning. John Ruskin said this, no one is without a divinely appointed task and the divine means for getting it done. That's what I just said. Nobody, there's not one person that God says, ah, that person I don't really have a plan for. I can't really use them. But don't miss the second part because I know it scares you because it did me too. Yes, he's called you to something, but he's also equipped you to do it. He has. You haven't. He has equipped you to do it. Okay? I promise you that. But, you ask, how will I know when my moment has come? How can I integrate and focus my life on that one duty that God has for me today? The world has a thousand necessities. Issues clamor every day for my attention. What will keep me from being manipulated by every cause and craze? Listen to this. Back to vision again. Vision will enable you to keep your daily focus. Vision will enable you to be faithful each day. Vision will enable you to fix your eyes on Jesus. Vision. I want you to think about this as we close it. What he's saying is this, because I've been there. You get overwhelmed by everything that needs to be done. Well, he hasn't called you to take care of everything. He's called you to take care of what he told you to take care of. I've had to learn that. You've got to learn that you're not called to everything. He's called somebody to it, but that doesn't mean he's called you to it. What you gotta figure out is what has he called you to? And what did Jesus tell us? Don't get called up. See, I, if, when I first read the vision chapter, I'm like, ooh, Ferrars in conflict with Jesus. What's all this vision, future casting? But then I realized again that dance, that bounce. No, no. We certainly cast a vision and say, this is our goal to finish strong. Jesus is the one who provides it. But Jesus also said, in order not to get overwhelmed by it, do what I ask you to do today. But there's still vision in that, because you've got to have vision and know what you're supposed to do today. Yeah. No, do what I asked you to do today, because tomorrow has... It, we, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Today's got all the trouble we can stand. And y'all have all heard the little boy and the starfish, right? You heard the little boy and the starfish? We all, everybody know? Raise your hand if you don't know it. Everybody knows the little boy and the starfish. And, that, and the bottom line is what? You make an impact where you make an impact. You don't know the starfish? The little boy's on the beach. You know, sometimes starfish watch up on the beach, and they're, they're out there by the thousands, and they're all dying. And the little boy's picking them up, and he's throwing them back in the water. And this old man with his metal detector looks at the boy and says, you know you're not going to make a difference. He said, I did for that one. <laughs> okay? So, so that's it. I mean, if you make a difference in anybody's life, you make a difference. You know, he, he didn't call us to go out and solve all the problems of the world. He called us to be light in the sphere of influence, and the place where he put us. So cast the vision and make a commitment today that your goal, because if you don't know what the goal is, then you won't set out to accomplish it, is to finish strong and take these truths that we've learned that have been handed to us throughout the Bible to apply to our own life, and we make the commitment today that we're going to finish strong. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for these truths. Thank you for these men that are here with us. Thanks to all who are watching and are with us uh, around the world. And Lord, bring us back together again next week. I pray for all the prayer requests that we have laid at your feet and the ones that we didn't mention out loud but are in every heart in this room that you knew about it before the creation of the world. And Lord, ultimately, I pray that our lives glorify you. Help us, Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit to finish well and hear from you well done. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, boys, go get them.